Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. As you grab your Bibles, 1 Samuel 30, I'm going to start reading here. Verse 30, I'm going to go to verse 1 through 17, and then we'll take a focus, and then we'll preach a few points. And here we go. It says here, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites um, had invaded the south, and Ziklag had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Tell somebody, oh, dirty devil. And had taken the women and captives that were therein, they slew them, not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Uh-huh, verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. This wasn't no praise, y'all. When they lifted up their voices, wasn't no praise. They wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinonim, the Jezreelitess, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech, son, I pray thee, I beg thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And so David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook of Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and the 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook of Besor. And David, and they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread. He did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom thou belongest thou? Whence art thou? Whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. And when he made an invasion upon the south of the Cherolites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah, upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. And because all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out the land of Judah. And David smote them. Here's my final verse where I get my focus from. And David smote them from the twilight, even until the evening of the next day, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and I want to preach for the next few minutes. Um, don't stop pursuing until you recover all. Tell your neighbor, don't stop pursuing until you recover all. 
you may be seated and the word is already blessed don't start pursuing until you recover all it says that David beat them down smote them to the twilight even until the next day and there escaped not a man of them save 400 men young men which rode upon camels and fled and it says that David recovered all thank you sir David recovered all again God has caused us to revisit this message in his most holy way uh, because he wants to remind us what he's up to tell your neighbor you need to know God is up to something being reminded of that is so important while you're going through your valleys and your trials and your transitions that God is up to something if you ever lose sight of that then your way really becomes dark it's already dark because of what you're facing it's already dark because of what you're dealing with many times but when you lose sight that God is up to something the enemy really can start infiltrating your heart and your mind I want to try tonight also bring this whole story in the full context of what's really going on in this story the first thing I want you to understand is about this enemy many times we're in warfare but the truth of the matter is we're so busy fighting we don't know who or what we're fighting we're just in a fight and sometimes we're just swinging throwing blows speaking scriptures we're in a frantic about the fight but sometimes it behooves us to know who and what we're fighting i need to let you know about this enemy that has attacked the people of god the enemy is known by the name of the Amalekites or Amalek, the people of Amalek. You need to understand that. Amalek, the name itself means dweller of the valley. Dweller of the valley. They dwell in low places. Low places. It also means people of lapping. People of lapping. The Amalekites, when you study, it means people of lapping. When you think of lapping, I want you to think about a person who's in a race and bypasses his opponent and laps him in a race, like in track and field. When you are so behind because your enemy has overlapped you. You can't catch up your breath, can't catch your opponent because they have ran three times around the track to your one time. That's what the Amalekites represents. They are lappers. It also means they also wrap you so much into so much negativity, so much mess that you can't figure how to get out of things. They are, their strategic warfare is to get you so wrapped up, overwhelmed in what's occurring that you can't see that you're closer than you actually are. They are lappers, all right? Their strategy, their main warfare is to surround you and overwhelm you. They are, that's their main warfare. I want you to understand that the Amalekites are also descendants of Esau. Esau, Esau. This makes us go into a little Sunday school lesson to remember biblical history. And it's necessary so we can understand our enemies. I'm telling you, you're better off in your fight, sometimes slowing down to get educated.
educated and learn about who and what you're up against. Sometimes we're so eager to fight, we don't know what to bring to the, to the battlefield. Sometimes we're bringing a bow and arrow, and the truth of the matter is, we need some other type of warfare to win against this enemy. But we're so busy just frantically swinging, like the Bible says, we are not to be as one that beateth the air. Some of us go into these battles with the Lord and battles against the enemy and we scream and holler, close our eyes and say, save me. But you're going to have to learn to open your eyes and fight this devil. You're going to have to learn to know what's up against you. You're going to have to get educated in the spirit, in the book, so you know what type of enemy you're facing. This thing that came against your family, this thing that came against your children, this thing that came against your body. But what kind of devil is this? What kind of warfare is this? You got to know that these are the descendants of Esau. It means that this is actually a hereditary enemy. It's a hereditary enemy. It's a descendant of Esau. Uh, Esau is the twin to Jacob. Esau is the twin to Jacob. Even from prophecy in Rebekah's room, in Rebekah's room, God had already prophesied, all right, that the elder would serve the younger. Uh, The elder would serve the younger. And it was even prophesied that Jacob was going to end up being the one with the birthright. That was prophecy. And then later go, it goes on after we see the story of Jacob and Esau. When Esau is a man who's a hunter, he's out there hunting and he has sweated out his strength. Jacob was a cook and he knew how to cook well. Well, Jacob took the opportunity to swindle through the soup with his brother. And he told his brother, man, here goes some good soup. And Esau said, what good is this birthright to me? And I perish with hunger. It shows us already what's really happening here. Because Esau is really the nature of the flesh. It's the nature of the flesh that says, I will die if I don't get it now. I will die if I don't get what I'm thinking I need to get right now. It's the enemy of the flesh that comes after you in a temporary place, in a transition place. It's the enemy that tempts you while you're going through temporary stuff while you being tried for promotion while you being tried for increase it's the enemy of your flesh that's come into you while you in a learning stage a growing stage and makes you think that there is nothing greater after this he torments you while you're on a lower level and I tell you you're gonna always be there your sorry self you're always gonna be there you ain't gonna grow past that and he tempts you right at that stage in hopes that you're gonna live there in hopes that you're gonna make a permanent place of a temporary position Esau is a person who lives after the flesh he can't take no trial he can't take no licking and keep on ticking he can't take no suffering and we don't preach suffering out of the spirit of the saints every saints think they gonna name it and claim it every saint think they gonna take some oil and put it on them people's cars at the car lot they ain't your car keep that oil off them people's car keep them messing up their car paint messing up their paint put oil and we walking around touching stuff and doing all these things thinking every time we blab it
but you gonna learn. There's some things you gonna have to wait on. There's some things you gonna have to suffer through. And Esau couldn't suffer nothing. Esau couldn't suffer nothing. It's the nature of the carnality. It's the nature of the carnality. Actually, Rebecca was pro- having twins, and prophetically, it means that we're going to have to battle our flesh to have this birthright. It means the birthright belongs to us. Hear this. The birthright belongs to us, but some way we got to get it out of the hands of the flesh. The flesh is trying to hold on to your destiny. Tell this flesh gonna let my stuff go yo it's gonna let my stuff go yeah and God says something so powerful even though Jacob kind of manipulated his way or took advantage of his brother Esau even though he took advantage of his brother Esau at a very vulnerable moment it was still Esau's decision to give it up it was still Esau's decision he actually cursed God in other words God what good is this birthright you see I'm living in this world and all I got is this birthright it's like saying some of you I done got prophecy but this prophecy ain't doing nothing I'm going through all these trials and tribulations and all I get when the prophet come to church is a word from the Lord matter of fact don't even give me no more word of the Lord I'm tired of these word of the Lord they don't do nothing for me they ain't helped me yet look I'm still broke I'm still in this situation and if you're not careful you start cursing what God is doing and that's what Esau did Esau had prophecy he had prophecy and we don't understand prophecy is for an appointed time prophecy is like a ticking time bomb it's gonna tick until the time it's time for it to explode but here is Esau saying what good is this birthright I'm tired of prophecy this prophecy ain't happening I'm tired of people speaking good I'm gonna just go out and do what I want to do it's Esau his flesh and even though Jacob even though Jacob took advantage of Esau God said now this gonna blow your mind God said Jacob I love but Esau I hated oh you got to get this he said Jacob come on now I loved but Esau I hated I kept saying how in the world God you can talk about you love Jacob but Esau you hated because I was so caught up on Jacob being a trickster I was so caught up on Jacob uh, swindling his, his brother at his weak point you know what I'm saying I'm a lawyer type brother if you're going down to a low place I'm supposed to partner with you so from a hood point of view you know y'all been in the hood but from a hood point of view that's my boy and since my boy is struggling I'm going to be with my boy while he's struggling I can understand how Jacob can do his brother like that and how God can say Jacob I love and Esau I hate it because God says when I look at the workings of Jacob Jacob was unskillfully trying to get to his destiny Jacob was unskillfully trying to work his prophecy but Esau was throwing it all away and I'd rather have somebody who need to learn a little bit better on how to work their destiny but rather than somebody who don't care about their destiny I'm telling you in this day and time you better cleave to whoever God said you are anything God told you you can be you better cleave to who God said you can be in other words God said I work with somebody who did a little bit of working with but the reason I still work with Jacob because Jacob still wanted me 
Esau said, I don't want you. I want you. Other things are better than you. And God said, even with Jacob's weaknesses, God said, Jacob, I love. But Esau, I hate it. So I come to tell somebody still struggling with your destiny. I'd rather struggle than give up on it. I know struggling, we don't give out. I know we don't give out truffles for struggling, but I'd rather struggle with this thing rather than give up on this thing. I'd rather wrestle with an angel rather than give up on my destiny. Tell somebody I may be struggling, but I'm still wrestling. Oh, there are too many people giving up on their destiny, giving up on their birthright, giving up on their promises of God. And God has the nerve with Jacob with his tricking self, his tricks to self. His name even means supplanter, one who brings division, who steps in between. God said that's why God had to change his name to Israel. He says, look, but Jacob I love, but Esau I hate it. Tell somebody this is a hereditary fight. Even the book of Exodus helps us with Amalekites. Y'all remember the story. They're going through the place called Rephidim. They just got to a place where they were thirsty and needed something to drink. And in the midst of them, trying to get something to drink, just got their thirst parched. Just got their thirst taken care of. Here comes Amalek. Here comes the Amalekites. Y'all know the story. This is the story when Aaron and Ur has to hold up Moses' arms in the midst of the battle. Who are they fighting? They're fighting the Amalekites. See, the Amalekites come when there's chaos. The Amalekites are attracted to arguments in the house. The Amalekites are attracted to disunity. The Amalekites are attracted when y'all not getting along. The Amalekites are attracted when you won't exist love one to another. Here come the Amalekites. They start fussing about Moses. He ain't all of a leader. He done brought us here to die. They start chiding with him, murmuring in their heart against the leader. And here came Amalek to fight with them while they was confused. This demon of Amalekites, what he actually does, he takes advantage of you. Let me speed up. He takes advantage of you anytime you're not walking in faith. Don't you remember Numbers 13 when Moses told them to go spy out the land and 12 went from the tribes and 10 came back? Ain't that something? That's something God's been telling you all your life or what I'm going to take you to. All your life, he's been telling you about your descendants. All your life. He's been telling you, I'm going to bring you through this land that float with milk and honey. And 12 out of the 10, and 10 get there, see the promised land, take big grapes from the promised land, and then they come back with a report. Talking about Abba, Abel, we not able, able to do it. What's wrong with you? God been working on you all this time to bring you in your promised land, gave you a glimpse of what he's trying to do in you, and you flunk the test of faith. I'm telling you, Amalek is attracted to every time you flunk the test. Every time you flunk the test of faith, here comes Amalek. And those 10 people who 10 tribes, representatives decide it's too hard to walk in the promise. It's too hard. We ain't got time to live by faith. We ain't got time to do this. It's too hard. And so what they tell, what they tell Moses them, they tell Moses, Moses, 
Give us a leader. Give us a leader to take us backwards. We want to go back to Egypt. We don't want to go forward by faith. We want to go backwards by fear. We don't want to go forward by believing. We want to go backwards by doubt. They said, give us a leader. We're tired of testing faith. We're tired of walking out and having to trust you. We're tired of this. Give us a leader. That's what they asked for. To go back. And as they go back, guess who attacked them? The Amalekites. The same enemy. I'm telling you the Amalekites are attracted when you lack faith. They are attracted when you're going through transition. That's the enemy of our warfare tonight. It's attracted when you're low. It's a valley dweller. He loves to see your energy go low. And just when your energy go low, he come and hit you. How many ever been going through something and then something hit you? And you're dealing with that and then something hit you again. And then something else hit you again. That's when you got to brace yourself. Call you up a prayer partner and tell them the devil trying to bombard me he trying to let me he trying to surround me this devil trying to attack me from the left the north the south the east and the west that's when you got to tell somebody come help me i'm being double teamed come help me y'all ain't never y'all ain't grew up in the hood i gotta pray for y'all tonight come help me i'm being double teamed i'm being triple teamed they done brought everybody against me they tried to jump me they tried to jump me oh no you better learn to cry for some help You better learn to cry for some help. Uh, they, and this enemy tries to attack them. So you got to know who your enemy is. Uh, yeah, your warfare of your enemy. He takes advantage of weaknesses. He takes advantage also when you leave yourself open. When you leave yourself open and un guarded you got to understand when he came and attacked Ziglag Ziglag was a land that David asked for from the governor of the Philistine he went through the governor of the Philistine and he says look man my life basically I'm gonna paraphrase what he said to the governor of Philistine he says my life is actually lucky I'm lucky because Saul been trying to kill me. I've been running from Saul and sooner or later he going to catch up with me. I know God been preserving me, but this thing got to be luck because he, he going to get me sooner or later. And David asks, give me a place for refuge. The governor of the Philistines says, I ain't got no other place but the zigzag. He said, give me anything. I'll take anything. It don't matter. I just got to run for my life. You better be careful what you running away from because sometimes you run into the wrong thing. David was running away from Saul, not recognized that God had him protected. But because he didn't believe that he was protected, he thought he was living by luck. And sooner or later, his luck was going to run out and that Saul was going to be able to kill him. But the prophecy already said that, that, that the horn of oil was going to be over David and David was the king, going to be the king of Israel. But somehow David didn't believe that prophecy can still come true that you can be running for your life and God can still preserve your prophecy that you can be still going through all kind of stuff and God can still uphold your prophecy David was so scared he took Ziglag here's the thing about Ziglag Ziglag was an unfortified place 
it was open territory it wasn't no place where you can bring your children it wasn't a place where you can bring your loved ones it wasn't that kind of place because you had no place where you can hide and shoot the enemy if you if you shot the enemy you was wide open you was in an open plane and in a place where the enemy can clearly see you matter of fact the enemy didn't have to get close up on David to really kill him he was so open the enemy can shoot him from anywhere in the territory some of us are just like that we call ourselves running away from something but we don't ran into more danger you call yourself running out of one relationship don't ran into somebody crazier than the last three people you've been with and you got to learn to trust I ain't saying nothing you got to learn to trust God in your waiting period because you're running from crazy to crazier until you're going to meet craziest and God's trying to slow you down y'all ain't hear what I'm saying David was messing around and he wasn't trusting God he was making these crazy decisions because he wasn't trusting God and he found himself in this open plain called Ziglag. So this enemy comes when your self-esteem is unguarded. I'm going to say it again. You got to understand that uh, Amalekites are attracted to low self-esteem because they are valley dwellers. They like it when you don't believe that you're the head and not the tail. They like it when you believe that you're not above only. They love it. They are valley dwellers. They love your low thinking. They partner with you in negativity. They love when you complain and gossip. Amalekite is the perfect partner for complaining. Oh yeah, because upon complaining, he brings stress. After stress, he brings frustration. After frustration, he brings depression. Amalekites are the main inducers of depression. They bring depression on you like no other. They double team you. They bring the weight of the world off on you because they recognize if you ever recognize who you are, you will get up out of that low place. If you ever recognize. So Amalekites work. Their main strategy is keeping you from your real self. And they work hard to keep you camouflaged from your true identity. That's your enemy. And these enemies also raided them. Notice in that first verse we read, when they raided the Ziglag, they burned it with fire. So now they didn't want them to have no refuge, no type of place. Then they took all their possessions and they did not kill them. And you got to recognize that Amalekites want your stuff. They're the descendants of Esau, and Esau had the birthright. He had every right to walk in the promises of God. But there are devils who were kicked down from authority. They didn't obey the Lord Jesus. They had a place of worship. They had a place of honoring God. And then now their job is to keep you from the place that they once had. And they don't want you to be in the heavenlies of heavenlies with God. They don't want you to know the freedom of worship. They don't want you to know the peace of God and this hereditary enemy is mad and won't your stuff. He didn't burn up their stuff. He took their wives, took their possessions, and he held it as treasure. And you've been treating everything God given you like trash. Been treating your children like trash. Been treating your house like trash. Been treating your spouse like trash. Treating your car like trash. But the devil know that everything you got, he wants. This enemy wants your stuff. He's a dweller of the valley. He got down so deep and messed them up in the valley that David recognized, although everybody go through valley experiences, the valley is dangerous. Say the valley is dangerous. 
Yeah, because what happens to them after they recognize what's going on, they're all mad. They got to blame somebody for the attack. And so the easy person to blame is the leader. We're not going to blame ourselves in this. We're going to blame you. And they blame David for this attack. They blame David for this tag, and David just probably looking like, man, can I get some bonus points? Y'all don't know, y'all didn't know victory till I came. Y'all was losing every fight y'all got into. Y'all ain't never seen no victory like the way I, I've been given victory. But sometimes when you're at your lowest, people forget how good you once were. I said, sometimes you're at your lowest, people forget that you bailed them out before. They forget that you paid their bills. They forget that you rescued, you prayed them through. People do have forgiveness. I'm telling you, people got that selective amnesia. They only can remember when they need something, but when you need something, they can't remember a thing. Ah, these people forget on how great David is. But in that moment, David says to himself, I've been crying with y'all, but the valley is dangerous because sooner or later, these people turn on him in the valley. I'm telling y'all somebody before I finish my message you better hurry up and get out the valley I know we all walk through the valley I know we all go through low places but you better get out that low place that low place is dangerous that low place gonna turn on you that low place gonna shut in on you gonna seem like the walls closing in on you we all have human emotions sometimes we cry sometimes we shed tears but if you're not careful that devil gonna close in on you you better run out that valley you better get out that valley in a hurry. You better get yourself together and move out of that valley. David said, I can't stay here. I know y'all caught. I can't say something Tell somebody I'm out. Pieces. Do some out of the valley. I can't be depressed no more. I can't be worried no more. I can't be overwhelmed. I'm out here. Ain't no victory came yet. I've been worrying for two weeks. Ain't no victory came by worry. I'm out. Tell somebody I'm out of here. You better get out the valley. I know it's human, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Now they want to kill David. They want to stone David. And David says, there are times in your life, listen to this. You can be among a crowd, but you got to learn how to rescue yourself. There are times in your life nobody may not see the danger, but you better pull yourself out of there. You better say, I got to get out of here. Ain't nobody see the 911 but you, but you better get out in a hurry. David said, I'm about to rescue myself. I'm about to get myself out of here. They telling me I ain't nothing. They telling me I need to deserve to be stoned. And David said, This is the time that I got to learn how to talk to myself. He said, I'm about to learn to encourage myself. He said, I'm about to learn to pour back into myself. When the last time you talked to yourself? I said, when the last time you talk yourself out of something? When the last time you talk yourself into joy? When the last time you talk yourself into peace? When the last time you talk to yourself? I'm telling you, if you can ever talk to yourself, you're winning when you can start talking to yourself. Now, I got nothing wrong with calling my friend Prophet Pace and him talking to me about me to get myself built up. That's good. But the truth of the matter, he may not be there every time. Tell me what's going to happen in your life when no one else is there but you can you pull yourself out of the valley can you hush can you talk yourself off the cliff can you talk yourself out of doing the wrong thing do you believe in yourself enough David said you may not believe in me but I was with myself the whole time 
when I was in the back of the valley singing songs of worship y'all weren't there but I was with my whole self I was with my own self y'all y'all weren't there but I was with my own self when I almost committed committed suicide I was with my own self y'all weren't there but I talked my own self for putting that knife down I said boy you must be crazy you think you're gonna kill yourself on a $52 city of Tallahassee bill man you think that's crazy man please you know more you can call three or four people and get that money in two hours but ain't that something how the devil can make you think you need to give up on something that easily could be solved but when you in the valley you don't see your way out you got to understand when you're in the valley you don't see how you can get up there ain't no way I'm gonna get way up there but the truth of the matter is you may be just a few steps away from coming out that valley and I'm telling you if you're in a valley tonight you ought to scream and say I'm coming out of this if nobody else come to rescue me if my mama don't call me for another week if my best friend don't call me for another month I'm about to get myself out of this hey I'm not staying here David encourages himself in the Lord because the valley why it is human it is dangerous it is dangerous it is dangerous David said I got to get out of here the walls closing I got to get out of here Uh, the people wanted to stone him and David does something that is profound David says I got to find another place he says where is the priest you gotta remember this time David is not even yet the king yet he's gonna be the king in just a little bit so it's okay for him to understand kingly powers he's starting to understand a little bit about being the king and going to battle but he he said, I'm about to cross over in this season. He said, I understand being a king, but it's time for me to test what it's like to be a priest. He says, um, king, I can handle natural affairs. I can do governments and orders and structures and lead military battles. He said, but I got to know another spiritual level. Now, when I get to another place in the spirit, I can resolve things in the spirit. He hooks up with the Abathar, the priest, and he says, listen, he could have asked Abathar, to pray for him. But, but David is a different breed. David says, look, I've been through so much. He says, I'm going to learn this thing for myself. He said, while I can get a prayer partner, that's a good thing to have. I got a few. He said, but in this one, I think I'm in the season of learning how to stand on my own two feet. Yeah, I'm going to learn how to stand with what I have. It's time for me to walk in something that I own. He said, Abathar, I don't need you to pray for me. I need you to give me what you use when you pray. He says, give me the ephod, the priestly garment. He says, because I'm about to test if I can hear God for myself. He said, give me the ephod. He said, I'm about to test this thing. You don't heard God before. You don't went before God and solved at the atonement of the people. But I'm at a place in my life that I want to know God can work for me. I don't heard testimonies of how he worked for other people. But I want to know if he can work for me. And he says, give me the ephod. 
he puts on the ephod which is a girdle I told you what that girdle means for those that don't know it means y'all know what a girdle does y'all know what a girdle does you know what a girdle does a girdle hold things in a girdle keep things from going everywhere a girdle keep things from shaking and moving and all kind of good stuff a girdle is structure a girdle helps things stay firm so he says in this season where my emotions are over the place give me something that makes my emotions stable give me something that keep me from crying so I can hear God because you can't hear God clearly with all them tears in your eyes you can't hear God when you emotional oh you can't hear him tell you already I already know you heard God go left God didn't say nothing about left God said hush you thought God said left you know God said hush but you can't hear clearly when you emotional Oh, no, I don't heard God. I, I, let me say it clearly like you understand. I heard God say a lot of stuff that he didn't say. Because I heard God when I was emotional. Somewhere to really hear God, you got to get your flesh under control. You got to get yourself out of the way. You got to tell yourself, hush up. You ain't going to cry today. Y'all got to help me now. Hush up. You ain't going to pout today. Hush up. I need 10 minutes of silence from you because I got to hear God. And David finds a place with God that he can hear him clearly. It's called the secret place. He finds the secret place. It's the place of refuge where there's a lot of noise on the outside, but it's quiet on the inside. He finds the secret place. You know what the Bible says that he that dwelleth in the secret place if you can ever find the secret place everybody else could be going crazy and you can walk in confidence why because you found the secret place david finds the secret place he subdues his flesh and his emotions and he hears god say something so profound he says god i don't know what to do in this situation shall i pursue can i if i pursue will i overtake them and i already told you i like david some of y'all is interested in fighting and not winning nothing. David said, if I pursue, will I overtake them? See, I like that kind of stuff. I like that. I mean, if I fight, am I going to win? Because you can get in a fight and get your tail whooped. He says, if I fight them, have you guaranteed me victory? I don't want to go in this fight. If this is a fight, you want me to leave alone. See, that's what some of y'all need to learn this wisdom. Some of y'all need to learn how to talk to God like this. I, I can fight it, but if I fight it, will I win it? Because I believe there are some times God don't want you to fight it because you ain't going to win it. There are times that God just wants you to trust his peace and trust his process. I like what David says. I can go fight, but if I fight... Will I overtake them? Will I, I want to know it. Do I got victory in this thing? Is there a comeback from this? Is there a restoration from this? Is there recovery from this loss? Or do I need to just move on? Do I need to start over? Am I gonna get my stuff back? Am I, you know what I mean? I told y'all when I was when I was growing up, a young man jacked me. Y'all excuse me for using these hood terms tonight. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. These hood terms, he jacked me. He took my stool. Young he took my stool at Maiden Woodshop. He jacked me. And when that man jacked me, I was mad. I worked hard on that stool. And I walked all the way home, probably 100 yards from my house. And the school was about two or three miles away from my house. And I was about 100 yards. But I was so mad by the time I got home, I turned around and went all the way back to the school. 
and he was much bigger than me. I was probably 13. He was about 16 or so. I was still very slim. They didn't have no height on me yet. None of that kind of stuff. But I went back and I said, oh, he's going to have to fight me for this thing today. I said, I don't work hard for this stool and I'm going to get my stool back today. I walked back and I was about 100 or so 50 yards away from them. And one of the guys who was with them sitting on the corner said, man, that go that shorty. Look at him. And they started pointing at me laughing as I was coming back. I had my fight walk on, you know. I already walked on my tippy toes. I was uh, walking, had my face on, and I already had in my mind what I was going to do when I get there. Pray my strength in the Lord. I wasn't going to talk about nothing. I was just going for it. I was, I was getting it. I had my mind made up. And when I walked up on him, I said, man, give me my stool. They said, shorty, you better get out of here. You better get out of here. True story. And he pulled up his shirt and showed me that gun. And I decided you can have it. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. He showed me. I said, you can have it. This is just something I don't need. That thought I needed that bad. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you ain't saying nothing. You got to know when to fold him. You got to know when to go home for another day. Sometimes you got to know to leave that thing alone. See, some of y'all are so anger, so full of anger, you don't know how to back yourself down and walk yourself out of it. I told him it's yours. You can have it. I'll figure out a way how to make another one. See what I'm saying? But you got to bring yourself under control to make those type of decisions. You got to bring yourself in the clarity to make those type of decisions. David prayed and got into the secret place. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Tell your neighbor, say, find the secret place. You got to find it. In this hour of your life, you got to find it. With all the decisions you got, you got to find the secret place. Because when you find the secret place, you're going to find some answers. And in this secret place, God tells him, pursue and without fail, you shall recover all. Matter of fact, he hears prophecy in the secret place. I'm telling you, some of you are in a season. Give me a few minutes. Uh, some of you are in a season, you need fresh prophecy. You need a word from God. You need to know what God is thinking right now. You're in this situation. You're like, God, what I'm about to do? How do I handle it? Which way did I go? Come on. You ain't got the air. You got the pause. And ask God, God, what do I do now? I'm 40 years old dealing with foolishness. What do I do now? I'm 50 years old, married and confused. What do I do now? If you ever find a secret place, you can find fresh prophecy for what you're going through there is an escape from your trouble and it's right there in the secret place Ish, I, I gotta finish and then david says look god gives him a word recover all he said i can move with prophecy he says i'm ready now even as david gets go, get ready to go fight and get ready to go find this enemy that done took his stuff he finds out that all the resources he thought he had he don't have and some of us are that way. We're still fussing over lost resources. We're fussing over lost help. We're fussing on what didn't go right. And it's true, it didn't go right. But if you're not careful, when God is trying to bring you fresh resources, new resources, if you're not careful, you'll still be in grief over lost resources. 
you'll still be mad about lost time. Don't tell me that time is precious. Some of you get you get real mad. They don't waste it. My time, fifteen years of my life, twenty years of my life, and if you're not careful, while God is trying to refresh you, you'll still be arguing in your heart and in your mind about what you lost. David decides not to uh, fight and war about what he lost. Tell your neighbor, say, fight with what you have left. David says, I got 600 men and 400 of him not ready to fight, but I'm going to take what I got left and I'm going to fight. I'm telling you tonight, if you're going to keep pursuing, you got to fight with what you have left. You can't be crying about what you don't have, what you wish you had, because some of you ain't fighting because you're waiting to have something else to fight with. And I'm telling you, you ain't getting nothing else to fight with. Fight with your two pennies. Fight with your two nickels. Fight with what you have. Some of you wait to fight and you're getting beat up because you're waiting to fight because you're waiting on something that ain't coming you said I'm gonna fight but no you gotta learn to fight with what you got left and some of us thought the faith life was just inspirational but we don't learn through life that faith is more than just being inspired you know faith will inspire you for a season but after a while when that thing don't come to pass when that thing turn around faith ain't no longer inspirational Faith becomes become militant and faith becomes a fight. So y'all, some of us got to graduate that faith is a fight. When you start having faith, it means you have entered a fight. And you got to learn to fight with your faith. You got to learn to lose, use what you got left and get what God wants for you. Tell somebody I'm about to start fighting with my faith. You got to start fighting with your faith in the midst of going towards the enemy. God start. This is what God told me to tell you. He's going to reroute you on the attack. He's going to reroute you. The way you think God going to take you in certain things, God's going to reroute your, reroute your steps. And, and you wouldn't be amazed on what, how God brought them to victory. God used an Egyptian. Now that's unlikely because you got to remember Old Testament they got delivered from the Egyptian. You got to remember that God brought them out of Egypt, out of Exodus. You got to remember that once what, there was one time that the Egyptians was chasing them. But you better open up huh, for unlikely resources. People you thought God can't use, huh, God gonna use them in this season. You better open up and stop being prejudiced of the help huh, that God is sending your way. God is sending some unlikely resources and God sent an Egyptian. He sent Egyptian. He found help along the way and y'all gonna find help along the way. If you just get moving in your faith, tell somebody to get moving in your faith. There's help along the way. Let me get finished here and I'm going to pray. He found this Egyptian. They fed him some water, gave him some bread. And this Egyptian, this unlikely resource, this Egyptian says to them, he said, look, he said, look here. Egyptian says, look here. He says, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where they are. This God is going to give you another perspective of your warfare. See, sometimes you got to find somebody who been where you are, but got away. The Egyptians is somebody who was once tied up with his enemy, but he got left for dead. So he can tell you where they are. And there are people you got to hook up with, and there are people who are who once were where you are going through. You need to talk to somebody who escaped out of what you're dealing with right now. The Egyptian was somebody who made it out alive from this old enemy of the Amalekites. 
And it's time for people who've been through things, hear this, and escaped things to become a refuge for others. Some of y'all, God done brought you through. It's time for you to be a refuge. You done escaped depression. It's time for you to be a refuge. You done escaped the pain. It's time for you to be a refuge. Tell somebody to say, be a refuge. Here it is, my main point here tonight, because God wants you to do this. David found his enemy. And when he found his enemy, he beat them until he got the victory. This is what God is telling me tonight. I'm going home here. God began to tell me that y'all at a place of restoration and recovery. But every time I put you in the driver's seat for victory, you are too merciful on your enemy. You are too merciful in the progress. Every time I get you up on your feet and you start making a little process, little progress, you get passive. God is saying, I'm telling you, that ain't what you need to do. You need to beat this devil from the nighttime to the morning time. You need to beat this devil into submission. You need to beat this enemy until he give up, throw away, give you all your stuff back. And some of y'all are not militant enough. Some of y'all are too merciful. And this God is telling you to fight this devil. Step on his head. See, some of y'all are just too cute. Some of y'all are just too cute. You look at him and he laying there. He's like, oh, I done beat him up enough. God is saying, no, step on him. God is saying, no, that ain't what you needed. God got to drag him down the street. God said, that ain't what to do. That ain't what to do. Uh, tell him he ain't nothing but a dirty, dirty dog. Tell him he ain't nothing but a piece of trash. Tell him that God ain't God is against him. Some of y'all don't know how to fight in the spirit. And God has said, some of y'all, I'm, every time I give you a little bit of victory, you back away from it. He said, but that ain't what I called you to do. I called you to pursue until you recover all. I called you to fight until you get all your stuff back and some of y'all got to learn to stand up on your feet stand up on your feet you got to learn to stand up on your feet and get back in the batter's ring and tell the devil the fight ain't over yet I'm gonna keep fighting until I get all my stuff back I'm not getting some of my children some of y'all be just fine with two of your children saved and three of them just living any type of way no you got to tell them I'm gonna fight until I get all of them save. I'm going to fight until all of them know Jesus. I'm going to fight. Tell someone I'm going to keep on fighting. I'm going to keep on throwing spiritual blows. I'm going to keep on confessing the word. I'm going to keep on fasting and praying. I'm going to keep on living right until I recover all. Tell somebody I ain't going nowhere. I'm here for the long haul. I'm going to fight. Go ahead and praise them right there. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.